to the Christmas edition of the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. Our co-host, Mr. Spears, is back with us this week after a brief hiatus. And uh, we don't have a whole lot of racing action to, to review, but uh, we got a couple interesting topics. Not a real long show, but uh, hope you enjoy it. Back in a second. Pleasant Acre Farms is a full-service breeding operation located in Morriston, Florida, just outside of Ocala. If you want to get involved in the breeding business in the Sunshine State, or you're already involved, Pleasant Acre Farms is really the only place you need to know. Joe and Helen Barbazon, who are just great people, do a fantastic job taking care of your mare. Uh, They have a solid roster of 13 stallions with a really diverse group of pedigrees, your mare will find a match at Pleasant Acre Farms. Currently, the star of Pleasant Acre Farms stallion roster is Neolithic, who is by far a runaway winner of the freshman stallion of the year here in the state of Florida. His son, Make It Big, just made it three for three, winning the $400,000 Springboard Mile at Remington Park, earning 10 points towards the Kentucky Derby in the process. Pleasant Acre Farms is... Your one-stop shop for breeding in the state of Florida. Check them out at www.pleasantacrestallions.com or on Twitter at P-A-S Stallions. You can also give them a call at 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Stallions, check them out. Hello, my friend. Back hey, from, uh, a one-week hiatus. Right, it seemed like a month, right? It did <laughs> seem like a month. It did, but uh, glad to have you back uh, on the show just in time for Christmas. Right, the Christmas sniper is here. <laughs> Gonna deliver uh, gifts to the. The listeners today, any gifts oh, to be given out? I'll just be dropping gems all podcast long. Not going to drop any Bike. lumps of coal, are we? <laughs> no. <laughs> A couple. <laughs> um, well, we're taping this a little bit uh, tardy this evening because I was at a basketball game with my brother. I saw two perfectly ordinary college mid-majors play each other. It had to be a good game, though, right? Even... It was. It was. It was a good game. It was an evenly matched game. Sienna played St. Bonaventure for some stupid cup, but um, they're the ultimate in, in mid majors. You know, they have undersized guards who are pretty good, good shooters. Not many turnovers. Teams played good defense. The refs did a good job. I mean, it was it was actually a pretty good game. It got over pretty pretty fast. Yeah, that's the thing about those kind of teams is they they really have to be on top of it execution wise in order to be good. Yeah, um, especially when they play better teams. Um, you know, you get a lot of that in in the women's game actually. You know, as far as execution goes, and and it's kind of lost. <laughs> it's like a lost art because you get these wild athletes that could do a whole myriad of things. 
and they don't necessarily have to be perfect in order to win when you got good players. Teams like that, they have to, they don't have, you know, the best players available. So they have to find other ways to beat you. And usually it's execution and, and strategy. A lot of coaching comes into play. I agree. And I, a bit of that. Uh, See, there's the first gem right there. Boom. This is Bam. It was a good game. Solid game. But, uh, but. It's time for Going in Circles, the big Monday show. Right. It's not going 94 feet. It's going in circles. Going in circles. And, and, and Going in Circles, the big Monday show actually came. We, we stole it from right? the uh, the old ESPN Big Monday, Big East. Uh, what is it? The Big East and then the, the, the Big 12, right? Double yeah. header. They used to have yep, the double every, headers. Every Monday yeah. night. When college and basketball was, 10 was, back then. Was, was king. It's Big 10. It was much watch. It was must watch basketball. No, Big Ten. Big Ten played on uh, ACC and Big Ten played on Tuesday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and then the big. Yeah, eight. every every week the back then it was game, a big eight. The, the big <laughs> the second game every week would, would somehow feature Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> we got always steady, steady every time. I, I got so sick of Danny Manning in college. It was unbelievable. As much as uh, Dicky Vitale was screaming his praises you would think he would be like michael jordan but then not anything else. <laughs> well we're talking hoops because uh there isn't much isn't much horse racing action going on this week we had the the los al futurity uh which <laughs> someone didn't read the script because bob baffert's supposed to win that like every year and he had three out of five in there this year um, but his, uh, his stand-in trainer, Mr. Yak team upset the apple cart. And not only was that, uh, you know, horse ran really well, but that was with me on his back because I bet Mr. Yak team in that race. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just goes to show you how difficult of a task that was. But, uh, Arabian Nights was the headliner coming off of a loss. No, Arabian Lion. Arabian lion. I got, I got, I got my Arabians mixed up, but <laughs> big difference. Um, One's good. And what is, <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what were your impressions of, of that race? Um, It kind of played out like it should have, to be honest. I mean, I didn't think the Bafferts were all that great. Um, They definitely had something to prove in that race and they just didn't step up. And the horse that kind of looked okay on paper, won it yeah yeah well you know he's an experienced horse and uh he looked like he was cycling back to his you know to, that he was going to run a big race and, and he did just yeah. kind of surprised at how much he paid in a five horse field yeah with one horse uh was a maiden right so um so really four yeah <laughs> no, hey listen uh that, that's what happens when when Horses get over bet. Somebody else gets over bet. That means that the uh, the odds on another one. I mean, my first Captain Obvious quote of the night, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a gem that counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know that we're going to see any real impact uh, on the Derby Trail for any of those horses, but um, but there's not a lot going on right now. Uh, 
uh, I guess the the biggest raising news last week was probably a tie between the graded stakes committee downgrading a couple of New York stalwart races and uh, Gulfstream 10 days for the championship meet deciding they're not going to run turf sprints. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, which kind of came out of left field, though. I, I do believe that, that some of that rhetoric has been toned back and the two-year-olds and three-year-olds, uh, two-year-olds for, I think, what, five days or four days uh, before the first, but, and three-year-old races are going to be run on the turf uh, at the sprint distance. So, um, so that, that whole kind of uh, came out, like I said, came out of left field. Maybe it was just a... Uh, I started getting texts. Something like, that got out that shouldn't morning. have. Uh, I'm getting all these texts from trainers in Florida. I'm thinking that, like, was there like a tidal wave or something like that? What right, the backside what happened? in or what? What's going on? It was like, there's no turf sprints. I'm like, yeah, it's raining. I thought they're off the turf. No, no, no. There's no turf sprints forever. Uh, I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? And wasn't that long after the the official word came out. And um, I guess but, the, the story, listen, the official story I got from someone who would know Um said that there was just some concern that the new turf course, and it's not new, it's just kind of refurbished, but whatever you want to call it, they haven't used it since April. And it was retaining a little more moisture than than it usually did because it used to drain really fast. Um, mostly be, you know, because it was dirt. But it would drain you know, pretty <laughs> fast. Uh, and it's not. It's retaining water, which would be great in the summertime, but not so great in the wintertime. And they were just a little concerned because the first condition book, um, as traditionally they do, there was a lot of turf sprints, I think 27 Mm. in three weeks. So they weren't sure how to pare it down. And they probably, if they could do it again, would have maybe, you know, not kind of just drop the bomb like that. (laughs) But um yeah, there are going to run some turf sprints. So I think some maidens and allowance races for, for three-year-olds uh, in the stakes. But um, the greatest stakes thing, that that was... That was interesting to me. Yeah, especially since last year they did like the opposite and we totally <laughs> blasted them by by like raising stakes and like granting new, new stakes grades and you know, which is like um, absurd right the, <laughs> we have fewer and fewer horses to run we're running fewer and fewer days but we're going to add greatest stakes like uh, the, a lot of the ones we have we don't have full fields and and it's not even that we don't have just a full field some of the the horses in these races are just pretenders uh, you know I've never seen more maidens running stake races than I have the last few years um, but I guess the the ones that were surprising, the one that really caught me, um, I'm always surprised when a traditional race gets downgraded. Yeah, the Cigar Mile. What the, the Cigar hell? Mile really to me <laughs> what the hell <laughs> was a surprise because number one, we don't have very many one turn graded stakes for milers. Period. So the ones that we do have. Um, I, I think should be 
persevered with at, at all costs. And, you know, basically what I'm saying is that there's no other race that you could say, well, this race is detracting from the Naira Mile or Cigar Mile or whatever it's called. I mean, the Breeders' Cup Mile, which wasn't a two, one-turn race this year. But there's no reason why the Breeders' Cup Mile can't be a feeder into the Cigar Mile. And this is what we've talked about on this show a million times. There should be some sort of hook between races. There's no reason in the world why Naira and the Breeders' Cup cannot um, work a situation out where there's some sort of bonus. I mean, what about um, a horse that wins the Met Mile, the Breeders' Cup Mile, and uh, the Cigar Mile? Five million. Bam. Do it. There you go. Remember they had that, that visa thing for, uh, what was it, the, the early in the season for three-year-olds, right? They, well, they had it for derby. The it was the derby, and it was a they, couple. They had of... it for the triple crown because yeah. the Buck took the money by running the Jersey Derby. He said, "You know what? Screw the Preakness. We'll take the two mil." Um, it's just it's a matter of of just uh, being creative in and thinking a little bit out of the box and that's that's really shouldn't even be out of the box right i was gonna say that that seems only natural <laughs> right. it's not really something they have to think long and hard about it it's it's right there in front of them i mean mile races are i mean we run a a ton of mile races nowadays for non-start stake horses gulfstream runs a lot of them um laurel runs a lot of them churchill runs a lot of them um, the tracks that can run them, run them. Um, but we still don't have a whole lot of, of, of one-turn graded stakes. And the Met Mile and the Cigar Mile, uh, yes, they're both held in New York. But that is, you know, those are the biggest non-Breeders' Cup miles that there are. Right. And the tractor, at least, you know, definitely for the Cigar Mile, is the grade one status. I mean... Not that it shouldn't be a grade one, um, but it's it's just bizarre that they decided to downgrade it. And this year of all years, it was. Yeah, it, it wasn't like it was a, a lineup of star horses, but there was a lot of grade one winners in there. And there's a lot of grade one races. Uh, the ones we just talked about from California, <laughs> who, who often don't have grade one winners coming in or out. I mean, like I saw some people, I, I've been a huge proponent of the Hollywood Derby being done. Um, because it's a grade one race at the end of the, the three-year-old year. It's a restricted race. It's past the Breeders' Cup. And there have been emerging horses that have raced in it and gone on and done well. But is that, you know, like, it's not a feeder race. It's a grade one. It's supposed to be, um, there's, there's supposed to be feeders into that grade one. The grade one's not supposed to be a, a stepping stone for, for other other races, at least in the simplest terms, mm-hmm. um, but it's just hard for me to put that race on the same par as the Breeders' Cup turf, and they're both Grade Ones. Well, you know, the, there's not a horse in, and and I don't mean to interrupt, but in the last two or three years, there's not a single horse in any of those uh, Hollywood Derbies that would have had a prayer <laughs> in the Breeders' Cup turf. Not yeah. a prayer. And and 
you know, that goes back to the point of, you know, I know I've said it a, a million times on how this game as a whole has, has been very slow, unwilling, not savvy enough to adapt to the changing times. Clearly the, the way, you know, horses are trained and run are a lot different than it was, let's say, even in 1990, right? We'll go there. Even, I would say, 2005. Yeah, I mean, you could even, yeah, you could bring that even closer. I mean, the beginning of my training career, it was unusual for people. Right, and you were in 98, right? You started? 98? 99. 99, okay. I mean, the condition book would generally bring races back every three weeks. So it wasn't even... You know, nowadays it, it, it's more of a, a monthly thing. It's been it's been moved, and you say, "Well, what's seven days?" Well, seven days is twenty five percent longer. Twenty five percent longer o- over a year. That that's a lot. It's up. It's like three, that's like three starts. So, um, yeah. Go ahead. What you're, you're well, saying? Well, I'm just saying that you know they've been slow to to adapt to these things, and there is a way. I mean. I don't know what it is, I guess, tradition. I don't know. But it's like the sport just refuses to change with the times. And, and it's and it's got us in this predicament, the sport as a whole, in this situation where, you know, we're trying to find a way out of it. And, and it's hard because, you know, people are willing to change, but things don't change. And it's just this constant circle of wanting to change, thinking about changing it, but not changing anything. And we're just at a standstill and, and things got to, you got to shake it up a little bit. Things like, like you said, outside of the box, think, think outside of the box, do something different, try it. No harm in that. And then changing it up. I mean, they were willing to do that <laughs> with, with something like the roulette bet. Let's say they, they tried it. And I don't fault them for trying it. I mean, it, it was a stupid idea from the jump, but you can't really, you know, fault them for trying it and then pulling it back. That's okay. That's not. I fault them for trying bad it. thing. It was, I don't. It was it was doomed from the start. Yeah, that that yeah, that was a bad example. But you know what I mean. It's just no. I understand what you're saying. Try like, stuff. And, I mean, but, there's the, the just the general gist of the racing schedule. It's it's so hard to get anyone to agree on anything. Mm. And that's why I think that the Breeders' Cup needs to play a role because, like it or not, there's two days on the racing calendar that that they're like their own little solar systems. And that's Kentucky Derby Day. Breeders' Cup. And it's Breeders' Cup. Yep. And everyone passed Kentucky is starting to focus on the, and that's not just the three-year-olds. I mean, pretty much everything in the second half of the year, um, it's, it's total focus on, on the Breeders' Cup. And it's been a detriment to the business in, in a lot of ways. And it's been, uh, it's a great event now. I'm not going to criticize the event. It's a great event. It, it gets uh, a lot of eyes. The handle's gone up though it got a little stagnant here the last couple of years. Um, it's been priced 
to the point where a, a normal person has a tough time getting tickets or, or is willing to pay for the tickets uh, at met many of our venues because we just don't have that many big venues anymore. Um, but it, it's, it is it is what it is. It's the focus of the second half of the year. And a win in those races means a lot. Mostly, in most of the divisions, that's the biggest win you can get. Um, for the year so to me they need to step up and be a little more creative on the lead up to the Breeders' Cup and and, and um, even you know the month past the Breeders' Cup because now right I mean the winter tracks are all kind of kicking off on the day after Christmas you get you know back to Santa Anita Coldstream is now you know, running the championship meet on the 26th, and uh, that's where the majority of the, the good races, Tampa's already you know running, Oakland, of course, is, is already running them, but those four tracks, the, the same. Um, and you know, New York does race in the wintertime, uh, un, until March, it, it's a little, you know, a little dicey, especially with the weather and they cut down like three days in February, but I guess the point is that that tying Breeders' Cup races to other races in something other than winning your in, which I mean, winning your in is really uh, it's a nice own, for owners. It, it's a nice perk, but it really has nothing to do with the races. It's it's kind of silly. There, no one that wins any of those winning your in races. Whatever, not be in. They would all be in. Every single horse that's ever won a winning urine race would be in the Breeders' Cup. Right. That's how they got the idea in the first place because they were they were gonna go in anyway. So it was just like, all right. Well, even if they attached that moniker to it and still did that, it shouldn't be what they lead with. They they want to, you know, the owners want the free. Uh, yeah, sure. Free and entry they fee. Still it's, do it's that. Cheap to, to run that race. It, it was. Uh, Someone was saying about Rich Strike, and he made three hundred thousand. Well, he didn't really make three hundred thousand. Maybe on his earnings on the, on the on the on paper, tab, it'll say three hundred thousand. But it cost one hundred fifty thousand to run, so they only netted one. Well, they netted uh, fifty, not three hundred. Even though your earnings, like I said, says three hundred. Uh, so yeah, it, it is a nice perk for an owner to to not have to go into their pocket. And and, and you know what? Every owner isn't Mike Rapoli. Every owner isn't. Uh, a mega rich guy. There are owners of horses that win, win in your ends that are just your normal rich guy. But, <laughs> um, I mean, Holy Bull never ran in a Breeders' Cup because of the supplement fee it was going to be a tremendous. Amount. It was like 360000 and he was owned by his trainer who wasn't broke, but he also wasn't willing to write a $350,000 check. I think it was two or three million back then, too. It wasn't six. Uh, you know what's people one of maybe one of the most interesting things that's like never talked about of course this is a race that was run uh, 35 years ago but the inaugural winner of the Breeders Cup Classic Wild again was not nominated to the Breeders Cup he was supplemented in that race and I think it was only two million back then was it only or was it two or three I don't know. I think it was two. But he paid, 
I think they paid like three hundred or fifty thousand or four hundred, like a something. third of the, the yeah, <laughs> to, to to bet a, you know to to um to run a horse who went off like thirty five to one. They said that they took a paper bag full of money out of out of Hollywood Park that day. I mean, that's like one of the all time great like um, like we don't have horse racing thirty for thirties, but. That would really one should have one on on that because that was one of the all time great uh, gambles, all the way around. Like, and remember that that was, that's you know people see mattress Mac betting this and betting that, but this was thirty five years ago. That was massive amount of money, um, you know, for a horse that. Uh, I'm trying to think who who the equivalent in this year's version would have been, and. Honestly, nobody. <laughs> there was nobody really. Maybe Happy Saver. Mm. If, can you imagine putting up? Uh, I mean, the equivalent this year would be like one point five million. Can you imagine putting one point five million up to run Happy Saver in the British Cup Classic? And then win, and you cash a bet. And then win, and you, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's winning, that's if, if there's anything like a definition of winning, that's it. He outran the rabbit in the race. He dueled the rabbit into defeat, and and then held on the, the you know in a, in a, in a right and and, and the drama of the inquiry. Yeah, right. Then the inquiry. God, Oof. those ninnies in California would take him down the, the, these days. They would have definitely taken him down. Yeah, they he would have got taken down. But uh... <laughs> you said ninnies. <laughs> <laughs> People still use that word. <laughs> oh man! Oh. It's, Christmas, it's Christmas week, bro. I'm trying not to curse. You're just hanging with your brother. I get it. Not, it's uh, oh, my brother. He, he was. He, <laughs> he, he can't find his gloves. He was cursing up a storm. I don't blame him. As as cold as I see the weather is up there, I'm, gloves I, I, are all tomorrow. Is brutal. It's gonna be like freaking. Dude, it's supposed to be 30 here on Christmas. I wouldn't be shocked if, if penguins ran across the front yard tomorrow morning. It's supposed to be brutal. <laughs> I can't handle it. Yeah, it's 16. Wednesday, the low is 11. Mm-mm. And then, then Friday, it's going to be 53. I'll be running around outside with... Without my shirt. Hey, the mayor and I are gonna have a shirt on for two days. Yeah. And then the next day it's going back to twelve. Ooh, no dice. Christmas. Christmas Day is a balmy twenty-one. And it's supposed to rain Friday. Ninety huh. percent chance of rain, the temperatures will be fifty-three. The next day it's supposed to be twelve, so it'll be a freaking ice skating rink. <laughs> it's wild. No thank you. No, I would regret making fun of people that would stay north in the winter, like myself. <laughs> karma, karma has reversed itself and has driven over me about three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> uh, what the hell were we talking about? Oh, uh, the state. Well, There's again. just no reason. I mean, what is okay? What is the most? <clears throat> what is the best thing that horse racing does from 
a business standpoint, uh, an exposure standpoint, um, uh, an interest standpoint, a, a mainstream audience standpoint. The Kentucky Derby. The, the Triple Crown, right? The Kentucky Derby. Yeah. And what is the Triple Crown? We tied three races at separate racetracks together. And no one thought, hey. We should do that with other races. <laughs> maybe we should do that with other races. Especially the Breeders' Cup. I mean, that's a, that seems to me like a no-brainer. Like, that that should have been automatic. I mean, we love to copy other 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 sports, so why don't we copy now? <clears throat> what the hell they do with NASCAR? But I know they got a championship race at the end. Yeah, they do playoffs. And, and they got, they, they got the races are tied together. Right. Sure. I mean... It just makes all the sense in the world. I mean, it's not even difficult. And the money can be found. At the very least, if you put up bonuses and it's going to be difficult enough, you can insure the bonuses. And it's do a million bucks. An unlikely insurance... It's, I don't even know what it would cost, but especially, you know, places that, that have the money, like Kentucky is like, you know, they're, they're overflowing with money. This is a stupid idea I had this morning. I said, you know what they should have in Kentucky? A series of, of uh, 200000 down to $150,000 claiming raises. And have the purse be like two hundred grand. Nobody else would run anywhere. Else. Have, have, uh, run a sprint. Run run a, a, a two turn dirt race. Run a run a turf sprint. Run a two turn or you know a two turn turf turf race. You could run a turf mile. You could run a turf mile and a half. Try yeah. something. People wouldn't be passing that up. Try something new. You know, you had a a really nice horse. Are you willing to put him in for two hundred thousand for a shot to make a hundred hundred twenty thousand? And would the race maybe be filled with the horses that have been running for optional eighty? Maybe, but just try something different. I guess it's wishful thinking that they will have turf. Oh, no, you say that now, but you know, two, three months down the line, don't be surprised if it happens. Yeah, yeah, the stolen idea theory, <laughs> <laughs> the bubble was the first one. That's right. That is correct. No, but I, I would definitely like to see races tied together. Um, there's I mean, a- I just think about, like, I, I know a lot of my early horse racing memories are things tied to the Marlboro Cup. That series. Mm-hmm. You know, Slow Gold was, like, my favorite. Or the Highway, uh, the, the, not the, the, the Handicap Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. The, the Brooklyn, the Suburban, the Met Mile, the Brooklyn, the Suburban. Fit to Fight, one at one year. Fit to Fight, man. Mac Miller. 
the original Mac Miller. Yeah. <laughs> Not the one that killed himself. <laughs> Mac with a K. The Ropeby horses, man, they used to come out and they had the the, the yellow jackets. And yellow and the gray. Yeah. Mr. Mellon used to take care of everybody. They get pensions and all kinds of stuff. They, they all and they wore all those big shadow rolls or wild applause. Uh, he had a run there for a couple years, man. Java Gold. Java, Java Gold was, like was the best horse. That, very you know, underrated horse. That nobody remembers because yeah, he got hurt. But he he dusted off a great crop of three year olds. I remember in the Travers it, in the it Travers poured rain right before that race. It was freezing cold that day. Yeah, it was cold. Matter of fact. I was that here. was the last day I, I was in Saratoga. The, the very next morning, I actually went to Arizona. I flew to Arizona that morning. Yeah, I And I left Albany Airport. It was like 45 degrees. And I got to Tucson, and it was like 112. <laughs> <laughs> I remember leaving the airport in Tucson. They had the, the sliding glass doors. And I walked out, and the, the heat just hit you, you know. I was like, man, it was like walking into a furnace. I'm thinking to myself, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't never visit or anything. My philosophy when I was 19 was, how bad can it be? I can put up with <laughs> anything for, <laughs> for four or five months, right? Like, I think that's everybody's philosophy at 19. You know, they had the, the, I had the brochures. And the brochures made sure they, they showed a lot of smiley, happy people. Uh, a lot of them happen to be co-eds. That were, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I can hang out at this place. <laughs> no, it was cool. But uh, no, it was a miserable day. And Yeah, I remember that day. It was horrible. I think Bet Twice, Ali Sheba, Crypto Clearance, <laughs> and uh, who else was in there? I think Gulch. Um, yeah, it was a really good field. It was like, yeah, like a who's who kind of field. And, and Java Gold beat him pretty good. And he won... Um, he won one of the races in Belmont, and then he got hurt. And he, uh, yeah, he won the uh, Jockey Club Gold Cup. Yep, yeah. And then he he finished third in a race, and, and I think he had a broken foot. But and he was not a very good sire. He was actually a pretty bad sire. Yeah, I remember people poo pooing him because of that back then. Yeah, Sierra was not a good sire either. I was on the Mac Miller horse. Yeah, <laughs> who won the Derby? Who won the Derby after running in a? He ran on the grass at Gulfstream yes. early in the season. I did not have Sierra. I did. Did you? Yeah. Someone said to me, "Why did they have Sierra's statue in in the?" Saratoga in the paddock. You see what he did? Because his owner paid for it. Right. <laughs> see, see whose name's on that thing? Listen, if you win a couple big races and you call them up and say, I'm going to commission a statue, they'll probably put it up somewhere. The best statue is the one uh, in at Hialeah, Citation. Mm. I, I would imagine it, it's still there. Is it? I haven't been down there in a minute. Hey, did they set? What did they do with the the John Henry and the Bart statue from Har? Somebody bought it. Did they? Yeah, from Arlington, right? Yeah, I think somebody bought it. When I was out there last fall, uh, <clears throat> with two undisclosed people, I won't 
I won't incriminate them, but we're trying to figure out how to steal it. But uh, well, I know who that was. But you need a crane. I could operate a forklift, but not a crane. A lot of fences around Arlington. It's hard to do. You couldn't do it. It, it would have been completely. <laughs> It'd be a smash and grab job. It would, it would have to be done. like Ocean's Eleven or something. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna guess they weren't overpaying people at that time. We could probably bribe a couple security guards. Look the other way. I know when I was out there this past summer, um, it was like a COVID testing site. Part of it, anyway, was really. But the you know everything didn't look out of place, and that was in June. So I still don't buy Churchill's excuse. I think they wanted to sell the place. What? Not that it matters at this point, but they might have got played. I just think they wanted to sell it. I think they always wanted to sell. It. I think they wanted to sell it a long time ago, and, and they just let it linger because Mr. Duchess well, wouldn't die. But, um, you know, when the, the casino bill, when the governor signed it and just threw open the doors to anything for anybody, uh, kind of, you know, forced their hand. But uh, at, th- at this point, it doesn't matter anymore. Right, it doesn't. I mean, whether they put a stadium there or not, it's it's, yeah, gone. it's, it's a moot point. But because um, it, it's not going to be a race track again. Which which really sucks, but that's the way it goes. Uh, what's really kind of scary in Chicago is that Hawthorne has not done anything on their casino um, because they the partnership or wh- wh- whoever they had fell apart, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen because yeah, they're, the, they're the not current, doing so the current schedule they have is not really working out very well for the harness horseman or the thoroughbred horseman. And they both have claim to six months of racing, um, you know, but they only have one track now. So, so it's not, a, it's a, it's just a bad situation there. I saw that they, they canceled for this coming weekend. Weather. Yep. Weather looks <laughs> pretty horrible. So they were going to probably cancel anyways. So I'll give them I'll give them credit, even though I made fun of them on Twitter. <laughs> uh oh, I just got a text. Uh oh, are you keeping Julius Randall? Should I keep him next year? I don't really want. It's bad karma. Yeah, you gotta get rid of that guy. Freaking guy. What are they offering? I should text him back. If you can get Dibs fired, I'll go. I'll, 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 uh, I'll trade him to you. <laughs> the same guy I traded. Uh... Yeah, I think he's bitter that I beat him. I'm kind of tapping <laughs> an, an NBA fantasy because my team has been devastated by injuries. So I'm that was my squad last year. I, right? I know. I know that literally no one is interested in my NBA fantasy team, but um, I'm zero and nine. And uh, all my players are hurt, so. I had the COVID bug last year. I, I, I made a trade this week. Yeah, so. For the future. For building, building for the future. Yeah. I hope Look I out. win one game, though. If I don't win any games, has anyone ever got shut out? 
Not that I not not since I've been there. I don't think. It's it's almost impossible to get shut out. And I think this is year five for me. So man. Or maybe six. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Time flies and having fun. Right. Um, so what are you doing for Christmas? Uh, Christmas is the only day that there's no racing anywhere. Which kind of sucks. And there used to be Christmas racing. Calder. Calder used to run on Christmas. Right. It used to be packed. It would be jammed up at Calder. Because people didn't have anything else to do. Nothing's open. There's a lot of Jewish people in, in, in South Florida who, uh, I guess they don't like Christmas. Or they don't partake. They don't, yeah. So, um, and the movies back then weren't the thing to do on Christmas like it is now. And oh, it used to be a big day. It'd be eighty degrees, and you go to the track. They carve up some. I remember and- years ago on one of the original Breeders' Cup telecasts. Remember Pete Axtell? Oh yeah. Pete Axel, who's who's actually great on camera and good, you know, a really good writer. Oh, Florida guy. Yeah, who uh, who died young. Mm. Um, he told a story about uh, about a horse, about a, a hunch play, and I can't remember who the horse was or what race it was, but he <laughs> said it would be the greatest hunch play since a, a horse named Santa Claus won the Christmas Day handicap at Calder. <laughs> and <laughs> because we don't have charts. Um, can't look it up. It's it's hard to look up, but but no, you still yeah. So what? Okay, now now that we got on that subject, why did they have these things like from, let's say ninety five and earlier under lock and key? Um, <laughs> why is it under Equibase? Yeah, anybody. I complained about it. No crunk. He 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 he, he got mad at me, but. And he's like, well, Chuck, who wants to see the data other than, like, you? And I said, well, I don't know. It's 1992. Like, we act like this is from 1892. Right, where there were no records. But we know there's records. I mean, there's charts. Right. And like, well, it would be expensive. It would be very expensive. I was like, huh? Whatever. It's in a computer. It's got to be somewhere. <laughs> It can't be that difficult. I mean, even if we even major tracks. And remember back then the major tracks were a little different than the major tracks there now. Um but that's probably never gonna happen. So and it, it, it makes me a little bit sad because I think that that would be a, a good way to People understand. I think PPs are the best way for people to to learn about horse racing because that's how we judge our horses these days. You look at their PPs. You look at their past performance, and it's like a baseball card. I mean, yeah. I mean, everything's there. It's laid out. You can see um, for yourself. It's so much harder. Like, I could show you a race of a certain horse, but without knowing the situation, the, having any context, knowing the other horses you're running against, knowing 
when that race was in the horse's schedule. It doesn't mean nearly as much. Uh, I mean, if I just show you a baseball game from from 1956, um, it won't mean as much as, as if I say, hey, this is Don Larson's you know, perfect game in the world which will give it a lot of context. I mean, just saying, hey, this was a great race by this horse that you don't know anything about. You, you take a look at a horse like um, who ran like eight times, or 84 times, and had like 39 wins. And you can appreciate him much better because, yeah, did he lose a lot? Well, yeah, he lost a lot, but shit, he lost a lot. It was no good um, until they, they moved him on the turf and, and he got out of Louisiana and, and, you know, history was made after that. But, like, when you look at his PPs, it's almost like um, – and we have them through, through like, you can look at the, the book champions that has <clears throat> the PPs, but they only have – they only have PPs for the horses who were, you know, elected champion that year. So – it, it's, a, it's a limited number. And yes, there's tremendous amounts of great horses in there. But but when you look at the PPs and you see some of the things that he did, like uh, like one month he ran three times in, in, in four weeks <laughs> on two coasts and, and one, a grade one on the turf and a grade one on the turf. I mean, these days, that horse, wouldn't, heard of, that man. horse wouldn't have, wouldn't have a, a race in two works in a, in a month's time. He had three races. And shit cross-country um it's almost like a different species it's it's really it's really funny when you think about it that way yeah i remember you know shipping was a big deal when when i first started learning to play the races and stuff and now it's it's a little more commonplace but it just it's a different thing altogether i mean like you said it, it it seems like it's a world apart from what we see now to what was going on in the 80s and 90s even even early 2000s like oh yeah it was it's it's there's so much more shipping and and, and horses going from uh different uh circuit to different circuit it, it just didn't it just was it's a different world shit i didn't see <clears throat> I didn't see a race from California for a long time. No, when I first started playing, I no, mean, people people forget to that. catch them on the on the little shows on on ESPN. Yeah, the Tuesday shows, or when they did the one race simulcast from a different track. <laughs> yep, those were the days, man. I used to live for that. I thought that was the coolest thing when they'd show like <clears throat> you know the races, or you could bet on. Like the the big race from Saratoga in the summertime. <laughs> I'm telling you, every year we would go to the OTB um, for Arlington Million, and it was it was their own pools, mobbed, and you try to watch the TV, um, you know the the over the network television monitor because they would put the 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 the, uh, the odds at Arlington up. And often they were they were very much different than the odds that OTB was offering. So there'd be some huge underlays, some huge overlays. Uh, just trying to you know bet the 
at the price. But um, yeah, yeah, everything is different. We didn't we didn't get to see. Um, it was totally different. Remember, remember the forms were different. Yeah, the West Coast had the tablet form that they have now. Or the tabloid, call them not the tablets. Well, tablets weren't invented yet. <laughs> <laughs> tablets were something that uh, the the Byzantines wrote on uh, a million years ago. <laughs> Chiseling <laughs> PPs on a little tablet. <laughs> Hieroglyphics. <laughs> but um, no, they had the the ones that in California were like the ones that are now, and the East Coast had the ones that were like the New York Times. Right, the big paper. I love the big. I didn't know about that until I went to Vegas, and they're like, "I was like, what is this little dinky racer for?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's true. Those big forms that had the most of the races were just on one, one big giant thing. Yeah, just to think that those were still around when my daughter was born. Just think about that. All right, and she's nine, so it wasn't that long ago that. The big forms are still around. Oh, well. I, I don't know that how long there's going to even be forms. Mm. I think you're going to see most tracks do like uh, some of those the harness <laughs> tracks do where you, you, you print them out. You pay by the race or you get a whole card and they, just, they just print <laughs> them out for you. Such a pain in the ass. Is. I mean, I get it. It it it, it does have a, a purpose, but just not my preference. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Well, I don't even know what I'm doing for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. No, uh, we're going to Orlando. I mean, Christmas Eve for the day, basically, and you know. um I think my son is actually going to be able to come home. We're not sure yet, but if he is, might be taking a trip to Pensacola real quick. Okay. Well, it's not too far. No, it's just six hours. Yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> Depends on who you talk to. I guess. I, I bet his mother thinks six hours is nothing. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's who the boss is. So let's just we'll go with what she says. Let's just uh, <laughs> put gas the car up and get her get her ready to head over to the old the Pence. Well, yeah, if she had a car, then that would work. Well, she has your car. Your car doesn't have any miles on it. No, it does not. It does not move. <laughs> and she, we got a rental, but we're probably gonna have that for another month, at least. Until her car gets fixed, they didn't total it, which is crazy. Really? Did not. Wow. Did you call Binder and still, Binder? The jury's still out on that. I think they're going to end up totaling it. But you got you got to call Binder and Binder. Morgan and Morgan for the people. For the people, if you've been injured. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Uh... So we got a couple, a couple tracks I think are running on on, uh, on Christmas Eve. 
Oh, by the way, uh, Echo Base, you uh, suck really bad. Like, you really suck. Yeah, Tampa's running on Thursday this week. Doesn't happen often. Or at least not until after the new year. No, uh, that's true. Yeah, Goldstream is running on uh, Monday, right? Yeah. On, no, they're running Saturday. Saturday and Monday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saturday is the last day of the non championship meet. So that's a. Uh... A uh, force out day, you know? Uh, yeah, I believe it is. And it's pretty decent enough, decent enough card if it stays on the turf. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's supposed to be like super cold. It's only nine races. I bet you they run all synthetic. Well, they got a stake on the turf. It's <clears throat> got 16. Um, you have a starter optional claimer mile 16th on the grass. It's got 12. Damn. Um, I'd be surprised. If you have another stake on the turf. Phillies that's got 10. And the first race of the day is a maiden on the turf that's got 12. <laughs> uh, that that should be a, a pretty gigantic handle day. Should be, right? Because they don't have much for competition. The fairgrounds is not running. Um, let's see what else. Laurel is not running. Aqueduct is not running. Los Al, Santa Anita, not running, not running. Oakland's not running. I don't think Oakland's running. I guess the only bad part is somebody took down the jackpot the other day, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe that Oakland is running either. So, uh, I mean, they're going to be pretty much unopposed, which, you know, should mean to a uh, huge, huge handle. Yeah, Oakland doesn't run. Oakland runs. They don't run this week. At all? No. They don't run till the 30th. Hmm. Damn. Yeah, a couple weeks off. Yeah, I don't know what happened. At least according to the condition book. Yeah, so that, that should be a, a really a massive day of, of handle on uh, at Gulfstream Park. I mean, it's rare. That a major track, nothing else is running, especially on a weekend day, especially on a holiday weekend. Um, when seems counterintuitive for them, not almost you know, when people are just not working, too, right? Everybody's off, literally. I remember one year, um, me and my friend went to Hialeah on Christmas Eve. Because we had nothing else to do, and we were running. <laughs> we were running quarters. Um, and the first, they had to cancel after, like, the third race because both starting gates broke. But the first race, they usually would do, like, 20 in the race and handle. 
400,000. I mean, it was like some silly day. Pete Aiello was actually there. I was going to say, was Pete yeah. calling there? Yeah, Pete was calling there from the uh, from the Pope Mobile. I think I remember that. But well, um, that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, no. But uh, they, they were some gigantic. So because the gates weren't working, they had both gates, neither of them. Uh, some of the some of the doors weren't opening. So, damn. So, anyways, you know, fast forward. You'd assume that Goldstream would do a a, a big, big, big number on Saturday. They just got to make sure the the gates work. Make sure the gates work and make sure they're on the turf. Nah, they're not gonna be on the turf. Yeah, I think you probably get a couple of those on it. Couple. They're, they're well. They got two stakes. <clears throat> so, we'll probably keep those and that maiden. Yeah, but that's, that's no dice. It's gonna be a giant day, a gigantic day. Well, I'm gonna be watching and playing from wherever you are. Orlando, I'll be in Orlando for sure. Hanging out with Bowl Bowl. Yeah, that's my guy. They gotta give him the ball a little more, man. A guy can make stuff happen, but you can't make happen when they don't give him the ball. It's tough because he doesn't really have a good. Um, how can I say it? Like, he's not a he's not prolific with his scoring. Like, he can't you can't give him the ball and him get a bucket. He's not there yet. He's gonna get there. He's very good in transition. Very, very good. Um, but he's going to get there. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be tough to guard in like another year. I mean, he already is, but even more so. But they have good scores on their team. Like, even, I mean, Franz Wagner is just slightly better than him offensively. Like, he's more polished offensively. And that's why he ends up scoring a lot more points and getting more minutes. But Bobo's going to catch up to him. And maybe even surpass him. The great Bobo. <laughs> but yeah, that Orlando team's pretty good. It's just it it just stinks because of the economics of the NBA that you know that this team isn't going to stay intact. And guys are going to go different directions at some point, but they're fun to watch now. Um, they beat the Celtics two games in a row. Oh, and it's like you know, it, it's it's going to be difficult because the Magic can only get players through the draft. They don't really attract free agents, yeah. <laughs> and it's so weird because it's not like. You know the city stinks or anything like that. The city's nice, you know. Right? No, no. But it's nice. It's it's no just as, tax. you know. It's it's like you live close. Right. It's like Miami, A or two B. Like you know what I mean. Like it's not as city as as Miami, but it's not a bad city to be in. And I just don't understand how they can never attract people, other than. You know, guys, they draft. Nobody wants to come to Orlando. Just odd because you know taxes and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. You would figure that guys would want to come here. Well, the fact that they haven't won in a long time probably doesn't help either. Well, it wasn't that long ago. They were in the finals in what 
2012, 2013 ish. That was that was a decade. <laughs> it's been a well, while. Some teams, it's it's even worse. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, didn't they go? They, they almost went back to back to the finals. I think they lost to LeBron one year. Well, you know what? If they start winning, somebody will go there. It isn't like you need five guys like football. You just need one guy. No, you need one. Right. One. But, oh. Well, it's been real, and it's been a quiet week. Oh, yeah, uh, we have to we have to blast Paula Doka. Paula Doka, chill out. You're lucky you have a job. Don't be yelling at people. No one listens to your bullshit anyways. No one cares who you like. Actually, most people say take who you like, and they throw them out. Like, let it ride. So stop yeah. being mean to, to, to chicks. Yeah, that's no bueno. No. Oh, you know what we should talk about real quick? The, oh, the... I want to tell Anthony Stabile, you're actually getting better at calling races. <laughs> Just saying. Practice. What, what else we got to go over? Uh, that, that nonsense that went on at uh, Mahoning Valley. Oh, the the jockey didn't try hard enough. Yeah, I've watched that race a couple of times, and honestly, I didn't see it. But there's context that makes it seem worse. Someone put it in in a in a kind of a. I thought it was kind of a humorous way. Said, <laughs> the jockeys hit the horse too many times; they they get in trouble. The jockeys don't hit the horse at all; they get in trouble. Right. That's 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 tough, a tough way to, to be sum a it up, though. Tough to be a jockey. Yeah, damn if they do, damn if they don't, and <clears throat> it's like, what is what are they supposed to do? <laughs> Feel bad. We need to make it ten, sissies. Ten. Ten strikes. Just like bowling. Well, why are they putting a number on it? Listen, that's the yeah, thing I don't get. The, I mean, we have to have you can tell, like, you know, when it's bad. We have to, like, oh my God, why is it ever just the stewards are mostly people that you wouldn't hire to hand out candy on Halloween? No, that job, so you're giving them too much. Job, first of all, but we need more than six. Six is not enough because it's undefined sometimes what a strike even is. So it needs to be 10. I don't want to hear about the animal rights people, there are no animal rights people. They're all, they're all, bull, it's all bullshit. Right. Once it's like the boogeyman. And, and, and like, you know, oh, they stand outside and hand out, you know, they're nobodies. You don't get anything done in 2022. The only thing you need to hand out, if you want something done politically, you hand money to politicians. You give them money. You give them money. You bribe politicians. So all you animal rights cretins, that's how you get things done. But you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. They're going to stand outside. Oh my God, you being mean to the horses. Well, I mean, it serves no purpose for them to do that if they're getting things changed and dis in disarray, and they're not doing that. Why would why would they want to do? You well, know, they want racing to go away, but it's they really want to fundraise more than anything. But the the thing is, everything's economic. Everything, everything else really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because if you're a strong enough business. Like the NFL, they have people. You know what? They have people, actual people that 
because of the damage that they were getting in NFL games after they were retired, were killing themselves. Mm. And you know what happened to the, all, all that stuff? Nothing. The NFL made it go away. You know why? Because they have a lot of power. But you know why they have a lot of power? Because they have a tremendous amount of money. Mm-hmm. And why do they have a lot of money? Because they run a product that everyone wants to see. And all the boycotts, and I'm not going to watch it anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that was a farce. Yeah, how did that work out? <laughs> That's a farce. <laughs> NFL's probably more popular than ever. Exactly. Exactly. They're Teflon. But no other Teflon? Because they're strong. They're powerful. Racing is is missing the boat. You can't appease anyone. You just build your business. You make it as strong as possible. Too big to fail. That's what happens. Everything is economic. The more money, the bigger racing gets, the more it grows, the more tax revenue is created. The the bigger foothold you have to to ask for things from the, the criminals in charge of the state house. <laughs> that's it. That's how you, that's how things get done. Oh, Roni, uh, we're allowing six strikes. Uh, you're hurting your own business. You're hurting your own business. Anything that's anti-owner or anti-customer uh, better should be done. Period. End of the conversation. But no one in this business on that side of the, the, the equation <clears throat> thinks like that because they don't know what the hell they're doing and they haven't known what the hell they're doing for 50 years, at least. I don't know what they were doing in the 40s and 30s, but it's economic. Everything is economic here. And when you, you, you put said... a product on the, on the, on the, the, the track, it's not appealing. And then you restrict the jockeys to where they don't know what the hell they can do or they can't do. And then if, if, you know, by God, they tried to win the race and they happen to hit one too many strikes, then you're going to punish the owner. I mean, it's just bizarre. You punish the betters because the guys are out there not knowing if they had an, an, another strike or two left. Some of them guys will, will, will you know, ride differently. Some will maybe get too far behind because they're afraid to tap the horse on the shoulder a couple times to keep his mind on business because they're afraid that that's going to be counted against them. That's, that's how it, it, it affects betters. People ride races differently. No, I like how you said it. and You put it in its simplest form. I mean, it's it's really not more difficult than, than how you explained it. You know, things that hurt the better and the owners you shouldn't do. That's Point blank period. That's it. They stick to that. Maybe some of that other stuff goes away. I had lunch with a friend of mine, and he's he works uh, on the periphery of the business, but he knows he understands the game. He's worked for racetracks. He's been around <clears throat> his whole life, and he said he's you know, I really, had, I really hoped. That this wasn't, uh, I'm trying to think of the ways that I, I was really, you know, I, I had hopes for this. 
but it's just not anything that, you know, we thought it was going to be. I said, you know what the problem is? Because he said, he goes, I wish I got to get an hour with, you know, the people who make decisions. I said, the problem is that they, they don't want to hear it. They, they've, they've, they've resisted any common sense um, to be utilized here. They have an agenda and that's what they want to get done. It's an agenda. It's an agenda driven um, organization, period. It just is. And yeah, I've seen a lot of people like jump ship on that whole idea in the last like two weeks. You can only lie to people so long. Eventually, they're going to figure out your game, and people have figured it out. I mean, there was a topic today, and and, and there was a TDN article, and it, it makes sometimes when you try to think in a practical manner. Uh, and, and not in an emotional manner, it becomes you can be labeled, you know, an asshole or a jerk. <laughs> and I'm talking about, well, aftercare. Um, and someone wrote, uh, they did a story on uh, this person who kind of fell in love with this horse and tried to get the horse a couple times, but it just was a little too expensive for, for her. Um, and she repeatedly had told everyone who had the horse that when it was time for the horse to be retired because she was a broodmare, but she was not a very good broodmare. She was having trouble getting full. That she would take the horse. And of course, heated. And the horse winds up, of course, in the, in the slaughter pipeline. And to her credit, she got a whole bunch of people and uh, together and managed to, to rescue this horse, get this horse, and now she has the horse, and, and the horse will have a happily ever after life. Um, which is great. I mean, it sucks that this horse wound up there, but you know, what she did was she implored industry groups to, to do something to fix this. You know, the system doesn't work. The truth of the matter is there is no system. Right. And it's not even feasible to, to have some people have no understanding of, of the difficulties. And I had, I didn't have the, the proper understanding up until a few years ago when I was involved in a horseman's board and we had a, uh, a horse retraining, not really a rescue, but uh, kind of a, a retirement home, you know, where they were supposed to, where some of the, Horses that just weren't able to be retired would live out their their life, and and the ones that were able to be retrained were were you know found homes. The economics of it are staggering. Yeah, it's it's a ginormous endeavor. <laughs> staggering. It would be the biggest organization in <clears throat> racing. Period. That's how big it would be. If you consider how many horses would be involved, if you talked about all horses, and this is a, you know, it just can't ever work as a, as a, on a national scale because it's just too damn big. It would cost a hundred million dollars to, to get the thing kicked off. People say, oh, 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 how much land do you think you need? What kind of infrastructure do you think you would require? Horses. Horses might be retired at 
two, three, four, five, live to be 25. Who would oversee this? This would be like a giant, you'd need a giant corporation to do this. Oh, yeah. You're talking thousands of employees all, all over the country. There's so many decisions, just the simple uh, ordering of, of, of feed and, and vet work. And you're talking about a huge, uh, it would be bigger than any undertaking ever, ever attempted in, in, in racing. Within a couple years, you would have more horses under your umbrella than are bred in the entire state of Kentucky every year. All the farms. Easily, too. <laughs> and there's so many other decisions that need to be made. And, and this is the thing. The horse that, that the story was about, that horse had a second career as a broodmare. And I think she did it for about 10 years. And she still wound up in the slaughter pipeline. When I trained horse for DT Stable, Steve Bick's people, we found we had a horse and she won a couple of races for us. Um, but she wasn't really a broodmare type prospect. Her pedigree was, was kind of soft. And she wasn't, she was a little crooked. She wasn't the best looking horse, but, but we found her a home with this girl in Wisconsin who was like 14 or 15 and she loved the horse or she might have even been actually younger uh, she loved the horse and the horse went there and she retrained it and did shows and all that stuff and you get pictures every once in a while and everything was great and, you know, six seven years later I get a phone call one day and the horse is, is in a, a, a kill pen in Pennsylvania that it can't be. It's not impossible. That girl would never, ever, ever sell that horse to you know, to, to especially for that. You know, mm. what had happened was she grew up and she went off to college and she was at college uh, you know, on the other side of the country and got a boyfriend and had a job and you know, mom and dad were left with the horse and they didn't really want a horse. Someone came by. Um, and duped them into said they were going to give the horse a great home, blah blah blah, and they were kill buyers. And they sold a thousand bucks. Um, and like wound up having to put something together and, and, and rescue the horse. So that's part of the, 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 the entire issue is that when you deal with thousands of horses. And even if you can find, uh, you can retrain two, a third of them or two thirds of them or half of them, you're talking thousands of horses that you're now going to have to monitor. Um, it, it's, I don't, I can't even describe like how big it would have to be. And I know for Florida track and, and I can't remember exact numbers. But it was about 175 horses there. And it had got it a little bit out of control and they, had a, they just had way too many horses there. But even then, it was, it was costing like the horsemen were contributing, I think about a million dollars a year. And the track put up 
a couple hundred thousand at least, and they got donations. And everyone who, 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 who you know, sent a horse there was supposed to give, I think, five hundred. Uh, and they had some charity auctions and they, you know, fundraisers. So, I mean, it, it costs easily, easily uh, a million and a half a year, and that, and that's probably a low estimate to uh, to keep one hundred seventy five horses. Right, and multiply that by 10, 20, 30, 40. And, and remember, that's that's one location. Right. Every time you get a different location, you're adding expenses. And, um, you know, depending on where you are, of course, out west, it would be, land would be a lot cheaper. Up north, you'd probably get hay and straw a little bit cheaper. But uh, there's just so many issues. There's so many issues of, of, morality in, in, in a way um horses get hurt horses get old they get infirm and who decides when you're going to put a horse down it becomes a major issue it's not an easily done thing and when you multiply that out beyond a, a couple a dozen horses or a hundred horses to get to where there are thousands of horses who oversees it <clears throat> what kind of operation are you going to need to oversee that a huge one so it's one of those problems that everybody's like, well, come up with an answer. Well, I'm not here to tell you. The answer we have now sucks, but I just don't know how, how to do it. I mean, we can't just ask just the rich people who, who buy horses for big prices and sales to, to come up with $20 million a year. I mean, if a local high school loses their funding and they have to cut their football program, we don't call the Dallas Cowboys and say, hey, you, you need to put up money here because you know, maybe we could, we should, maybe. I, I don't know. But but it's one of, those, one of those issues that just doesn't have an easy answer. And horses eat a lot, and they require space, and they require care. And none of that is cheap. None of that is cheap. It's not easy. And when you start talking, you know, huge numbers, uh, I, I don't have an answer. I wish I did. And, you know, we always did everything in our power um, to find good homes for, for our horses. And the vast majority of them have found them. Do some slip through the cracks? They do, but we we don't even know where the cracks are. We don't even know where they are. I mean, I, I can't tell you. Does it bother me? And, and if I had one go through rescue, of course we'd go get the horse if it wasn't a kill pen. But the bad people are the kill pen people. And the people in racing that would be willing to send them there. Those are the bad people. Not the person who bred the horse. Anyways, I didn't feel I didn't mean to uh, leave on a down note. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's definitely an issue, and something that <clears throat> people have to be really realistic about. And hopefully, that can lead to some sort of idea. Because who would want to be that? person that was in charge of that you know how much heat that person would get 
for making decisions of that sort. Oh man, it it wouldn't even be. Oh man, I couldn't even imagine. Like, see the things these people say on Twitter, and just amplify that times a thousand for somebody that's in charge of an endeavor like that. That's rough. You would need a a, a big organization. I mean, right? It'd be a corporation, like you said. I mean, I mean you, you'd need to find land in like. <clears throat> like the Dakotas or somewhere would, and then you're just adding up more expenses. You know, the further the horses have to travel, the more expense there is. A lot of places you you just can't get the help. There just isn't the help doesn't exist. And the other thing is, when you're in a remote place, it's hard to get people to come. Right, look you have at to it. go there. Yeah, yeah. So there's no easy answer. And some of the, you know, I think there's a this misconception by some people that this business is, is like overflowing with money. And it's just not the truth. <laughs> it just isn't the truth. But, you know, the people at the top, well, sure, the people at the top of any industry are rolling in money. Pretty much. <laughs> Where are you going to get it from? That's the thing. You can't raise takeout. Oh, definitely not that. <laughs> Where's another consistent funding source? I, I don't know. Yeah, Kentucky could probably take a little percentage from the slots or HHR, whatever the hell they call them. Uh, a place like Oakland, yeah, they could probably do that. But, I mean, we don't even take care of the disabled jockeys. Exactly. Not without fundraisers and doing everything grassroots. It's a, It's a joke. It's an absolute joke that there's no dedicated funding source for that. And the Jockeys Guild is, is to blame just as much as everyone else. They have fundraisers and stuff, but if every jockey gave up 50 cents amount, at the end of the year, as many jockeys that ride races, 50 cents we're talking about. They. And, and dare everyone else to match it. You got to give something to get something, though. It's just it's just not right that those those people that that are, you know, like I said, permanently disabled are are not. There's no f- dedicated fund to to take care of them. It's uh, it's bullshit. Pretty much. Yeah. Because that, that wouldn't need $60 million. <laughs> you know, we, we wouldn't require that kind of money um, to do that. So, so that's my, uh, that's my Christmas special, my Christmas message. Christmas I'm, wish. I'm like the, I'm like the Grinch. <laughs> no, you're the you're the <laughs> you're the ghost of Christmas future. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. That movie kind of freaked me out when I was like five. Oh yeah. Definitely. It was weird. Yeah. I had to go watch me some Frosty the Snowman after that. <laughs> So that's kind of a tragedy too, you know, Frosty Crow. Oh yeah, he was crying. 
at the end, Frosty. You melted. Yeah. Then uh, all this. I like I like to just melt them like twenty percent of my body fat away. (laughs) (laughs) I would just be heavy instead of fat, like like a bastard. Uh, Oh man. Well. I got nothing else. No, that's it. We, I think we hit all the points. Um, yeah. We're going to do a worst of show, but... Maybe we'll leave that for New Year's. Yeah. Right? Best of shows are just corny. What's the best... The best horse of the year? Oh, it was Flightline. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Who was the biggest upsetter? Oh, it was Rich Strike. <laughs> Come on. This ain't PBS. <laughs> I can tell you who's going to get the worst ride, man. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I knew who that was before you even t- <laughs> That might be the worst ride of a decade. Speeding <laughs> everything. Oh, man. Horse almost won <laughs> in spite. Of Still the... almost won. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, we'll have to do that next week. All right, sounds good. That, that, listen, by the time we talk to everyone again, it'll be Christmas will be passed. Heading uh, into the new year. The Knicks will be on a nine-game winning streak. The uh, Oh, we'll, we'll have already completed the, uh, the opening day cards at Santa Anita and Goldstream. Yeah, should be interesting. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, have a Merry Christmas. And we will talk to you later. Merry Christmas, everyone. And happy Hanukkah. If, if, uh, happy Hanukkah. Yes, that was yesterday, right? Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else? There, there's any other things? Kwanzaa. Like, Kwanzaa. Happy, happy Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Uh, I think we got them all right. Happy National Donut Day to Ray Felton. And Krispy Kreme. <laughs> we are out of here.